the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Seems personal introductions again should be in order right now. Uh, and I say again because I ministered with you, I was privileged to last August 7th, I think it was. I'm David Kletzing. I'm a priest of the Diocese of Pittsburgh. My church is Hope Church in Elburn, Illinois, which is now closed. And I live um, about 15 miles west of here. <laughs> so I'm happy to be with you this morning. In the Anglican Church in North America, today is designated to be World Mission Sunday. And the focus for worship, including the scripture, the music, the sermon, is to be on world mission. But I think perhaps like if an introduction was in order, maybe a disclaimer should be in order, because I'm not really a neutral observer of the Great Commission. Um, when I was much younger, I was four years full-time in youth evangelism. And then when my wife and I, uh, Karen and I, were young in our marriage and we had two small children, we, we uh, served in a foreign country as missionaries. Today, um, well, recently my daughter has been a missionary and my son and his family are missionaries in what we often call a closed country. And I, I hope that one day at least one of my grandchildren might be called to the same calling. So you see, I'm not really a neutral observer. My life has really been changed by these last words that Jesus gave before he returned to heaven. The Great Commission is how we refer to these words that Jesus gave his disciples when he sent them to carry on the mission that he himself had started to lead people to repent of their sins and to be baptized, get ready for the kingdom of God. Now, if you've been paying attention, I'm sure you have during the Christian year, this is essentially the same message that John the Baptist preached and that Jesus preached while he was in his incarnate ministry on earth. Repent of sins, be baptized, get ready for the kingdom of God. And, here's what, and they taught about what the kingdom of God would be like. World Mission Sunday comes around every year, and most of the time the preacher relates how the gospel started in Jerusalem and then spread to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. For Anglicans, this is very near and dear to our hearts because Anglicans, among other communions and denominations, have spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, and any, any Sunday of the year, you will find far more people in church worshiping in Anglican churches in the global south than in the north and in the west of the world. This is indeed Mission Sunday. And although I have a, a personal history of being a missionary, I'd like to focus this morning on where this all begins. This all begins in Jerusalem, doesn't it? or in Wheaton, or Winfield, or Naperville, Carroll's, wherever your home address might be. That's where mission actually starts. Looking at our text from Acts, Jesus told his followers to remain in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And it was now the 40th day after the resurrection, 
and expectations were running high. I think people were probably aware this was day 40. That's a significant number. There was a very large number of Jesus' followers gathered together. Jesus himself was there with him, now risen from the grave. There was no doubt in their minds he is the Messiah. And he's the one the prophets foretold. And this day, the prophecies that the prophets had foretold, maybe today possibly would be the day when they would be fulfilled. Because there were several prophecies from Isaiah, Daniel, Micah, other prophets. And this was all on everybody's mind, I'm sure. And so it was very natural for them to pose the question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now imagine the perplexity with his answer. What does this mean? He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed on his own authority. So then one last time before returning to heaven, Jesus pronounces the Great Commission. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. One last time. What did I mean by that? Well, Jesus had said this in different words several times already in his ministry. Remember his words in the... Um, his prayer to the Father, John 20, he said to the Father, as you have sent me into the world, so I'm sending them into the world. John 15, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. John, rather Matthew 9, our gospel passage, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And there are other passages also where Jesus spoke and sent his people and, and gave them this commission in maybe not the full form, but he's, they certainly knew that they were being recruited not to be followers, but to be evangelists. Not to be just sitting in the pew or standing in their sandals on the side of the hill, but one day they would be sent out to be evangelists. Since Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is part of the daily life of every single believer. So a normal part of our lives should be fulfilling what Jesus said. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Motivated first by enormous gratitude we feel to our Lord for the wonderful salvation he has given to us. Motivated also by our love for other people and wanting to share with them the very best gift the world has ever known. Motivated also by a vision, our vision of the coming kingdom of God, a kingdom where all the wrongs will be made right, where justice prevails, where Jesus rules. Motivated also by the joy we feel, the joy in our salvation. As we see, also we see other people come to salvation and all ethnicities, all languages, all backgrounds come and confess their sins to the Lord as we have been led to do at the cross. 
and receive salvation and also receive the Great Commission. So no, this wasn't to be the time when the kingdom would be restored to Israel at that time. But it was time to hear that it was indeed coming and it will arrive at the right time and it will be carried, not like the, the disciples thought, not carried by rank and file of an army with swords, but by rank and file of believers with a message. Believers just like you and just like me. A generation ago, English canon, Anglican canon Michael Green wrote that one reason the early church grew so fast, spread throughout the Roman Empire so quickly, was that evangelism was not only the right, but the responsibility of every single believer. Now, most of us will be quick to put our hands up and say, hey, wait a minute, I'm not a gifted evangelist. Well, I'm not either. I've actually only met a very few people in my life who are gifted evangelists. But that doesn't let the rest of us off the hook. The Great Commission is for everybody who believes. Many years ago, I was serving in a church and um, sometimes pastors get a little bit out of the box. I mean, maybe you've seen that with Father James, I don't know. Although he's, <laughs> he's pretty much an in-the-box kind of a guy, I think. So I paused in my sermon that day, and I, I said to the people, I said, suppose, and I'll ask you, suppose somebody came to you and said, I want to become a Christian. I want to become a follower of Jesus. What would you tell them? Well, that was an awkward moment in the church where I was preaching. And everybody kind of looked around, you know. Finally, somebody said, we'd bring them to you. <laughs> well, then everybody relaxed. Maybe that was the right answer. No, I don't think so. My bishop once told me that every church needs to have a front porch. And I say every Christian needs to have a front porch. Now, a front porch is where we get to know our neighbors. Maybe a physical front porch like Karen and I have. We talk to our neighbors in the afternoon, evening when they're walking by. Maybe a physical front porch, but it may not be that exactly. But it's a place where we get to know our neighbors a place where we get to know our co-workers, a place where we get to know other people who we share life space with. It's a comfortable place where we can get together and talk about what's going on, about our dreams, about our families, about our frustrations, about questions we have, and even talk about faith. That's our front porch. Now, for some people, your front porch may be the water cooler at work. For some of you, it may be a community organization that you're involved in, or a community ministry that you're involved in. It may be, for some people, an online presence where you carry on your mission. Now, I know that All Souls has some front porches where the church interacts with people, has points of contact with the community, but I encourage everyone to have your own as well. 
and build a place where you can meet others, get to know others, let them get to know you, and also especially get to know your Savior. Sharing in the Great Commission. Amen.